There's nobody like Jesus. And you and I have the privilege of fellowshipping with Jesus Christ. We have Christ in us, the Bible says, the hope of glory. You know, I'll tell you, there is no better time to be alive, I don't think, in all of history than right now. I know you uh, read Garden of Eden, boy, wouldn't that, that have been nice to be there in the Garden of Eden? And maybe wouldn't it have been cool to see Abraham and the patriarchs and Jacob? Although I got to be honest, I was reading about Jacob and the origin of his family, and it's messed up, man. It's, it wasn't all roses there. I mean, uh, the Leah and Rachel and, and uh, Bilhah and Zilpah, it was weird. The 12 tribes. There. So, but anyways, you might like to have been alive in that time. Maybe the times of the prophets or the judges or uh, maybe that, that uh, silent period when Jesus was coming at any time between uh, the end of the Old Testament. Again. Maybe you would have liked to have been here when Jesus was walking the earth. I admit that would have been pretty cool. Or maybe you wish... Maybe you wish that you were there for the first century church, and you probably wish that until the beatings began and the martyrdom, uh, but maybe you would have liked to have seen that, or maybe you're one of these that you wish that, that maybe you could have been alive uh, you know, 200 years ago and churned your own butter and not had to go just go to Kroger and buy ready-made butter and no vaccinations or whatever and, and 30-year life expectancy. Maybe that was you. You wish you had lived back in the day, but, but what I, I love, I love the time that I'm alive right now. This is the best time ever. And, and whatever century you wish uh, in the modern time, I'm talking right now about the church age. You know, all of those people back in the Old Testament, you know what they were longing for? What you and I have today. We know who the Messiah is. We know his name, Jesus. They didn't know his name yet. They didn't know Jesus back then. The prophets would receive, and that's from our text this morning, the prophets would receive that revelation from God. They'd write it down, but they didn't understand exactly all that was going to come. They didn't know that, that uh, the sufferings of Christ and then, and then his uh, glory, they didn't know how much time was between then. They didn't see what you and I are living in right now, the church age. Some people call it the age of grace, although God has always been a gracious God. But I tell you right now this morning, you, to have the completed scripture, you and I, to be in a local New Testament church, uh, to have the Holy Spirit living within us, this is as good as it's ever going to get this side of eternity. This is awesome. You and I are so very, very blessed. Back there in the Old Testament, people would go to the prophets in order to hear from God. They would go to the priests in order to have some sort of intercessor to, today you and I can go right to the throne of grace on the basis of our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to wonder what God thinks or says or wants us to do about any subject. We have the holy word of God right here, all completed, all done, the Holy Spirit illuminating from to us the scripture as we read it. This is a wonderful time to be alive. Can I get an amen? Yes, it's awesome. I want you to see here this morning, we're gonna look at the subject of salvation, the precious theme of the Bible in a few different ways here from our uh, scripture, our text this morning. Number one, if you like to take notes and you've got a pen, you can fill in the blank. Number one, the promised salvation. The promised salvation. So Peter is still, still a little bit of an introduction uh, uh, this morning as we look at it. He's, he's going to explain a little bit what I just talked about a moment ago about how our time that we're living in now, I mean, Peter got it. He was an apostle, the first century church, one of the foundation stones of the local New Testament church, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, he understood what he was experiencing and what he was a part of, the Holy Spirit actually 
speaking to him to write this epistle that we have right now, him preaching in the power of the Holy Ghost, he saw the difference between him at the end of the Gospels and him at the beginning of Acts when the Holy Ghost fell upon him and he was indwelled with the Holy Spirit like you and I are today right now if you're born again and he preached in the power of the Spirit. He saw that. He saw that beginning of the New Testament church and so he's refreshing that early church on how blessed they were and the position that they were in. He's going to get to a point tonight, we'll pick it up in verse number 13, about now how that we are so blessed and we have the Lord and we have the Scripture and we have the Holy Spirit uh, and we're, we're in the, the New Testament church now, how we ought to be. Because by the way, how you ought to be in life, having good morals and standards and all that, it always, as a Christian, needs to be done as an outworking of the Lord's work in you. You can never focus on your externals first and expect it to be pleasing to the Lord or sustainable. It'll all come crashing down eventually because it's fake, but it ought to be real. And so he's describing to them what they have in Christ. So verse number 10, the promised salvation, of which salvation? The prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Man, I love that word salvation. Don't you love that word? I also am glad this mic works because I, I hate to be to that pulpit because I got to walk around. You understand? And so uh, I can maybe fit right here too. Everybody can see me a little better. Look, I'm a whole person, not just waist up. I love that word salvation. Salvation is the theme of the whole Bible. The whole Bible. Salvation means to be saved. It's that state of being saved or rescued. That's another good word. Rescued. Now, rescued from what? Man has one problem and you know what it is. What's the one word problem? Sin. Man struggles with sin, and, and man always has from the very, very beginning. And man, because of that sin, God is a just God. He's a holy God. Man must be condemned for that sin. You wouldn't want to serve a God that wasn't a just God, that pardoned somebody's sin against you, pardoned some heinous sin. He is just. He is gracious. He's both at the same time. And so man finds himself under condemnation. But if man, God is also gracious, if man believes what God has said and obeys the Lord by faith, then man will be rescued. That's all throughout the Old Testament. And they didn't always see, see, you and I know who Jesus is. They didn't always know exactly uh, everything. They didn't receive the promise. I have some cross-references for you in your notes. They didn't see everything that was coming, but God said, do this. And so by faith, they obeyed. By faith, they made sacrifice. By faith, Abraham went out into a country, not knowing whither he went. Hebrews, we see that he was justified by faith. In the Old Testament, we read that the just or the justified before God shall live by faith. It's always been by faith. And salvation is that state of being rescued or being saved, forgiven, pardoned by God. Look at verse number 10 again. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. You know why? Because those prophets were very interested in what was important to God. All throughout the Old Testament, and if you're looking for it, you'll see it. All throughout the Old Testament, the, from, from Genesis to, what's the last word, Malachi? No, Malachi, yeah, the only Italian prophet. I'm just kidding, Malachi. And uh, from all the Old Testament, if you're looking for it, you'll see the Lord on every page. You'll see Jesus Christ there on every page. Well, not name, not Jesus. He was the promised one, the one that should come, the holy one, all different things. But you'll see him there. You'll see the prophecies there in the Old Testament, how, how the Lord said that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head, bruise Satan's head. It was always God's focus. And so what was important to God was important to the prophets. Salvation, that was coming. Which, by the way, if you're saved this morning, you've got it. 
You are saved. You have received salvation. Now, one day, verse number nine, we're looking to the end of our salvation. That is when our bodies will be redeemed. And I mentioned that on Wednesday when I preached on that verse. We still struggle with sin today. Uh, of, of course we do, because we've got that, that fallen nature still. But because of the Lord's grace in our lives, we're freed from the power of that sin, but not the presence of that sin. But one day, we'll have our redeemed bodies. I had great, and, and my daughters were right here on the second row, um, uh, Noel, who's seven, and Joy, who's nine. She's about to be 10, though, in a week or two. Uh, and we had great conversations on the way home the other night, and it started with, with this. Uh, Joy asked, will somebody who, and they have, by the way, kids have great questions, don't they? I think they're great because they're not afraid to ask the questions. Um, she said, if somebody has cancer now, when, and they're not saved, they don't have salvation, will they have cancer in hell? Uh, and so I thought about that, and, and, but that, that, that started a really good, com- well, I told him, you know, um, hell is a place of torment and destruction and death. There's constant uh, pain and gnash- weeping, gnashing of teeth, judgment for rejecting Christ and for sin. Uh, I said, I, I, don't, I think it's irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's the point of death basically forever. Um, and so, but, it, but in heaven, in heaven, the opposite of that is true. You get a glorified body, a new body, a body that does not decay, uh, a body that will not experience sickness or temptation, will live forever, eternal life. It's, it'll be a totally different thing. And then, and then they ask specific questions about that. And, and I said, it's just hard to, it's hard to explain because it's going to be so different. You know, it's, it's hard to draw a parallel. So this is what I know about earth. This is my context. What will it be like in heaven? It's going to be different. And then I explained to them and I, I, I told them the timeline. I guess that's one good thing about having a preacher as a dad. I said, the next thing that will happen is the rapture. And then there will be seven years. And I explained to them that. And then the millennial reign will follow. And we will rule and reign with Christ here on this earth for a thousand years. And then at the end of that, Satan, who was in the bottomless pit, will be loosed for a little season. And then finally, he will be uh, thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and then the new Jerusalem will descend down from heaven, and that'll be the city that's four square, the gates of pearl, streets of gold. That's what we know, and that's what we call heaven, that new Jerusalem, and the gates will not ever shut. There'll be no night. There'll be no sea, new heavens, new earth, and they were just agape. They loved that, and they were so interested in that, and it had a lot more questions to come, but that's what they're talking about right here. They were looking for the prophets were, when is it going to be perfect? When am I going to be forgiven? And when is that perfect salvation from, from, from the oppression? Israel looked for salvation from the surrounding uh, uh, nations that were oppressing them. Uh, mankind looked for salvation from their sin. How am I going to be right with God? When will it finally be perfect? When will the struggle be over? And it's coming. But the prophets, the prophets now, and this is leading me to number two. I'll give you the, the point title here, number two. The prophecies of the seers. Now, that's S-E-E-R-S. If you want to write in the blank, it's just another Bible word for prophets, and it's so I can alliterate. Sometimes alliteration is obnoxious, but I wanted to do it anyway. So the prophecies of the seers, S-E-E-R-S, um, that, that's just a prophet. Now, a prophet, now a prophet, okay. So if you look in verse number 10 again, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. A prophet was this. A prophet is just somebody who was a mouthpiece for God. He received the message from God, and the prophet gave that message to the people. Now, he had to do it exactly how God wanted him to. Uh, There were two ways to prophesy. There was the uh, foretelling, the future. And if you hear the word prophecy today, you'll, you'll probably jump right to that. That was probably the more common way to use that word in the Bible. God would say, 
man of God, prophet, this is what I want you to tell the people is going to happen. And so they would go to the people and say, this is going to happen. By the way, the prophet had to be right 100% of the time. If he was ever wrong one time, he was a false prophet because a true prophet of God didn't say anything that wasn't from God and God is always right. I was thinking about Saul and Kish, his servant, when he was trying to find those donkeys before he was anointed king. God led them to the town where Samuel, the prophet was. And uh, that is a great verse. I think I'm gonna preach on it to that preacher's fellowship uh, next week. I think that we're uh, on Tuesday morning, a few preachers uh, are coming, about 15 or so. And, and uh, there, there's a verse there where they went from this town to this town to this town, the story there in, in 1 Samuel. I don't remember the chapter right now, but, but finally they got to this city and Saul said, you know, we've been looking for these donkeys forever. Bro, we gotta get back. Uh, my dad's gonna worry about us more than the donkeys. And then the servant said, there is in this city a man of God. He said, there's something different about this town. By the way, I hope that can be said about this town right here. And uh, 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 not necessarily just because there's a building that says church on it, is there a man of God that will preach just the word of God straight and not compromise according to what the culture would like them to do. But I pray that there is in this city, in this church, a man of God. But he went on. He said, an honorable man. And then the third thing he said about the man was, whatever he says comes to pass. That's a true prophet a true prophet of God. Now, so that was one way. Whatever uh, the prophet said is going to happen, God said this is what's gonna happen, and it came to pass. The other way is a fourth telling. So this is what God has said already about the situation, about what you're doing. Nathan came to David and said, thou art the man after his sin with Bathsheba, because God had sent him with God's message. That's a prophecy, okay? And so right now, I would be, now don't freak out, let me explain. I'd be a modern-day prophet. Okay, I'm not telling you the future, all right? That's not where we're at now in the church age. You have the completed, perfect, infallible, inerrant, preserved word of God right here. God wrote a book, okay? And so when I get up to prophesy, I'm just telling you what God has said. A preacher applies what God has said to the day in which he lives, okay? So that's what I'm doing. I'm a preacher, I'm a prophet, but don't get nervous. By the way, if there is a, uh, a somebody who comes along and says, this is what God has told me. You'll not find it in your Bible, but I've got another prophecy. You, uh, if I can be kind, run for your life, okay? You've got the completed word of God right here. Somebody says, I know the date that Jesus is coming back. Uh, well, uh, I, I got it wrong. I know a new date. Sorry, bro. Be, the, old, the, the, the standards for the prophet, if you're wrong one time, you're a false prophet, okay? So, so run from that nonsense. You don't need to go to anybody. You don't, need a, you don't need a priest to get through God. You don't need a prophet to hear from God. You've got the word of God right here. That's another thing. It doesn't get any better than where we're at right now with the word of God right here. And by the way, if I ever get up and I tell you something that's contrary to the word of God, you run for your life or run me out, okay, for my life because I'd be a false prophet then, you see. And so the prophets, though, the prophets, they didn't speak their opinion. They didn't say what was on their mind. They wrote exactly what God had told them to write. They told people exactly what God had said, and they didn't always understand. Look at it again in verse number 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. That's just talking about uh, Jesus, the grace. Jesus is the embodiment of grace and mercy and love. So they prophesied of that grace that should come. Now, what does that mean, to inquire and search? In your notes here, um, uh, let's see, I think I put it under uh, number three, um, but the, the definition of inquire is to ask a question, to seek for truth or information by asking questions or investigation. Search is to look over or through for the purpose of finding something 
to explore. And so they were looking at what God had given them, trying to figure out more about the coming Messiah. They were studying. Look at verse number 11. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them. Now remember, that's how we got the Scripture. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Every word in this Bible is not man's opinion or man's estimate or man's musings or memoirs. It is straight from God. God used men to write the Bible. God gave the book. And the spirit which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. And so they prophesied. And so all throughout the Old Testament, they prophesied, prophesied. John the Baptist was that last prophet. And he said, repent and be converted for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus came, he said, there he goes, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And so they all talked about the coming Messiah. They gave the message of the Lord. And I want, uh, number three, I want to teach you something here that I've already uh, talked about a little bit. And you've got a lot of verses in there under chapter or point number two about the prophecies of Christ and how Christ, Acts 3.18, those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. And so Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies. And, and Peter is trying to say, you know what the main focus of all these prophets was? You know what? They were always trying to find out more about that coming promised one, that Messiah, that the grace that should come unto you. That was all they were interested in. And you know what they did? So number three, I want you to see the perfection of the scriptures. This is so cool. I hope you're with me. Are you a little warm this morning? It's warm up here, but I'm at a higher altitude. How's the balcony feel? You guys warm or you good? You feel good? All right, you guys look good up there. I like the balcony crowd. I like everybody, but uh, the perfection of the scriptures. Now listen to this, listen to this. Oh, please get this. Please get this. These prophets wanted to know more about the coming Messiah, Jesus. And so do you know what they did? They studied what they had just written down from God. Now, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. I want you to see here the sufficiency of scriptures because these prophets who just had the Holy Spirit come upon, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you today, but they had the Holy Spirit come upon them and say, okay, Micah, okay, Nahum, okay, Habakkuk, okay, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. These, this is exactly Isaiah. This is what I want you to write down. And so they wrote that down. And when they had clarifying questions about what they had written down, about prophecies to come, do you know what they did? They studied the word of God, man, mind blowing. They literally had God telling them what to write. They had such a high view of the scriptures that God had told them to write down that they took those scriptures, the books, the parchments, they took it to the side and they studied what God had said. Isn't that incredible? And you and I have the Bible. If you want to know more about God today, you will get in your Bible. Say amen right there. You've got the, I don't think any of us really grasp how important the Bible is to our life, to our Christian life. To, you want to know how to be a better father. You want to know how to be a better boss. You want to know how to be a better employee. You want to know how to live. You want to know how to die. You want to know how to make God happy. You will go to the Bible. Listen, God wrote a book and these prophets thought it was so important that they wanted to know more about the coming one. They didn't ask for more information. They said, God gave exactly what I needed right here. I'm gonna go study the Bible. Oh, isn't that good? I hope you and I love the Bible. I hope you and I cherish the Bible. 
I hope you and I don't go day after day after day without reading the Bible. And no, no excuses now. Don't say, well, I'm not a good reader. We've got the Bible on audio on an app for free today, okay? You go to Version app, you type in the KJV, you hit that little uh, speaker button and it starts reading it for you in a fancy British accent. It's free, okay? There's Bibles at the dollar store. There's Bibles for free online. If you've got the internet, there's Bibles you can check out at the library. The Bible is available and yet how often you and I go so long without reading it, without hearing from God, from the perfect and precious word of God. There's that perfection of scriptures, the sufficiency of scriptures. By the way, this is not a point, but what about the preservation of scriptures? Look at verse number 11, or verse number 12. Unto whom, so these prophets, as they were studying, it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel. So listen to this. They understood that even though that their prophecy, their preaching was for that day, what they were writing down, God breathed inspired word of God. It was for the future generations. It was for you and me. Isn't this incredible? This is just mind blowing to me that the grace of God would give us his word on paper forever to tell us anything that we needed to know about life, about eternity, about any of that. Isn't that a blessing? I hope you and I are people of the book. By the way, that has always distinguished Baptists. Now, not necessarily every Baptist church today or every stripe of Baptists, and this is not to uh, say that if you come from a different denomination or whatever, then you're not as good. But I'm telling you that the old-time Baptists, they were known specifically as people of the book. And that's what Baptists are today. If somebody wanted to know, well, what, what does a Baptist mean? I would tell them a few things. Um, uh, uh, the uh, Baptism, Lord's Supper, autonomy of the church, priesthood of believers, separation of church and state, and all that different things. But, but mainly, mainly the Bible is our sole authority. We don't have the Bible and something else. We don't have the Bible and an equal in importance prayer book. We don't have the Bible and then our, our, our bishop, our pope, somebody that's equal or that can ever supersede the Bible. The Bible is it. The Bible is the word of God given to man. And I love the Bible. I hope you love the Bible this morning. That's the perfection of the scriptures. Why don't you go to 2 Peter? I want to show you something here. 2 Peter chapter number 1. Verse number 16, Peter writes, we've not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So he's saying, y'all remember when Jesus was baptized, we saw that. We saw the glory, the Father said, this is my beloved son, the Holy Spirit like a dove lighted upon him. Verse 18, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So he was an eyewitness of the majesty. But look at verse number 19, and this is what the old-time prophets would have said. This is what the apostle Peter said. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. You might underline a more sure word. More sure, more certain than even an eyewitness account. When we, when we all saw this happen, a more sure word is this, prophecy, it's the word of God. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. This means that you don't need to go through anybody else 
in order to know what the Bible says. Now, a good preacher is going to help you understand, but a good preacher is going to help you understand what's already there, meaning my job is done, in my opinion, when, I, uh, when you go home and you read the Bible that was just preached on and you understand it better and you know how to apply it to your life. Not like, wow, I never, ever, ever, ever would have seen that if not for the preacher. Well, I don't know if he's doing quite a good job then. The preacher just tells you what's there and applies it to your life. And that's no prophecy. It's any private interpretation. There's no scriptures hiding out. God has inspired and also preserved it. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. It wasn't man's opinion or man's will, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I want you to leave this morning knowing that scripture is sufficient. The Bible is all you need for your Christian life today. You've got the Holy Spirit within you. You want to know more about God. You want to know God. The Word of God will help you. You've got that whole, listen, listen to me. I love books. How many of y'all like books? How many of y'all love books? You're like a, a book nut. Okay, that's me. I've got a lot of books in my uh, office, and I've got just about that many or more at home or I guess in storage. Is, I don't have a home. <laughs> I, I'm in an Airbnb, but it's my storage unit, and uh, I love books. And I've said before, if uh, somebody locked me in a Barnes and Noble forever, that would be fine. You know, I could just stay in there forever. I don't mind to read. It's probably a pastime. Somebody asked me my hobby. I'll make up a couple things. I don't really have a hobby. I'm hyper-focused on what I do. Uh, but I, I, do, I do like to read self-help books, biographies, uh, Christian books to help me, preaching books, pastor books. I, I love to read. And I, I go through some books when I'm studying. Um, but if I never... Listen to this. If I never picked up another book in my life, but all I did was read the Bible and studied the Bible, you would probably never notice because the scripture is sufficient. My preaching would be just as good. It might probably be better, to be honest with you. Uh, if you uh, wanted to be a better parent, but you never picked up a parenting book in your life, but you just studied what the Bible had to say about everything, how to be a better boss and so on and so forth, you would never lack for anything with this holy word of God right here. The perfection of scripture, scripture is sufficient. Uh, number four, and finally, I want you to see the preaching by the spirit. The preaching by the spirit. Go back to 1 Peter, verse number 11, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Christ has suffered. One day he will be glorified when he returns. Verse number 12, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they'd administer the things which are now, now here's the good time to be alive, now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Now, what are we talking about here? That preaching, it's the gospel. The gospel, the gospel meaning good news, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I have the gospel to proclaim. I hope that this week you have taken maybe one of these little invitations here. If you don't have some, grab a few for your purse ladies, your jacket pocket men, maybe put a couple in your wallet. And when you see somebody say, hey, I would love to invite you to my church. And uh, there's our service times on the back. And also on the back are some encouraging verses I'd like you to read. It's how you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. And what's on these verses? It's the gospel. The gospel is the good news that grace has appeared unto all men, that Jesus did uh, die for our sins, that Jesus did rise again, and he's at the right hand of the throne of God now. The gospel is this, that all men might be saved by just putting their faith 
in Jesus Christ. And it was preached there to that early church. It's preached today in the power of the Holy Ghost. You know what else you can do? And I did it this morning on bus visitation. That number back there, and I don't mean to mix announcements, uh, but this is all part of the mission here, the gospel. The church phone number, you can now text. And so you can give this to somebody and you can say, hey, uh, a lot of people don't like to call anymore, and that's fine. And uh, we're, we're not to uh, make people fit us. We're to go reach them uh, where they are. And, uh, and so you can say, look, if you have any questions or you need any help, you can always text that number and our pastor will get back to you. So that's pretty cool. And that's just the church number that you already have saved. That's on the back of these. And so what, what is the point of that? What's the point of that messaging system? What's the point of the ladies luncheon? And what's the point of the junior church ministry and the bus ministry and our, and our forthcoming organized soul winning ministry? What's the point of all that? It's to get the gospel to the world. That's what we're here to do is to get the gospel to everyone. Acts 26 in your notes says, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. You know that early church was doing? They were preaching Jesus from the prophets. Uh, Luke 24 says, he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in the scriptures the things concerning himself. I want to tell you this morning, if you're not saved, if you've never received the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, here's how to do it. Here's how to go to heaven. Romans 10, in your notes, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you know what that means? That is salvation. That's salvation. That's being saved is having salvation. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, salvation, the angels can't have it. Look at the end of verse number 12. Which things the angels desire to look into. The angels are very interested in salvation. I mentioned this in our Christmas Eve service. Do you know why? Because that has been God's focus since he created planet Earth and time as we know it. Always salvation, how to save man. Now, the angels are, 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 are spirits. They, they can't be redeemed and all of that. But, but they were there at those prophecies. You know, they were there when uh, or an angel came to Mary and said, Jesus is going to be born. And they knew that that was the son of God. That's who they were just praising upon the throne. They were there. They announced his birth. They were, they were there when they ministered to Jesus after his uh, time of temptation and fasting or 40 days in the wilderness. They were there when he ascended. They're there now praising the Lord. And they are just so interested in this because that's the main thing they praise God for, for his mercy and his grace. These angels desire to look into it. They're very interested. The angels can't have it. You know, a lot of people are interested and my girls were asking questions about eternity. What are we gonna be like? And I said, well, it'll be different. Uh, Jesus said, we're as the angels in heaven when he was saying like, who's gonna be married to whom? He said, you, you, you do error not understanding the scriptures. It's different. Everything is better in heaven. I pointed out to them that, that the, the Lord said that whatever you can imagine heaven is like, your wildest imaginations, it's not even half, it, it's not even entered into your mind. It's not even halfway right because heaven is so different and so much better. Our feeble mind and imagination, it can't even get there because Jesus said, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So it, we cannot cannot even imagine how good it's going to be 
one day. And, and you know how you get that, by the way? Do you know how you get that? Just by faith. Just by faith. You know how you get saved? Just by faith. Say, it, it can't be that easy. I was talking to a lady this week who was giving her salvation testimony, and uh, she got saved around 30 or so, and, and uh, she got saved one Sunday. The next Sunday, she went forward again because she had a question. She said, it can't have been that easy. <laughs> it can't have been that easy. Well, look, it, it, it's not you at all. Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. Jesus did everything. All you and I have to do, all you and I can do in order to be saved is just put our faith in Jesus Christ and his completed work. That's the gospel. The angels are interested in that. They can't have it. It's not for them. But this morning, you can have it. You can be saved. You can have salvation this morning. And it's just by putting your faith in Jesus. If you're not saved this morning or listening by way of live stream or on the podcast, I tell you, you can be saved right now. And all it is is this. It's not a special magic prayer but it's just what the prayer means. It's this, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve because of my sin to pay for that in a literal place called hell, according to the Bible. But I know you died on the cross to pay for my sins and you rose again, trusting in your completed sacrifice. Lord, please save me. Trusting in you and you alone. Please take me to heaven when I die. Amen. That's it. And if you mean that and you put your faith not just a special prayer. With the heart, man believeth under righteousness. If you mean that, you can be saved in an instant, forever born again into God's family.